At Northside, we value radical generosity. We believe the giving of our financial resources is both a wonderful privilege and a tremendous responsibility. Therefore, we should strive to grow in the grace of giving. When we're obedient in our giving, we will be able to carry out the mission of the church and the ministry to the church. God. Everything that we have belongs to Him, and we want to be good stewards. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4 this morning. Have you ever heard that phrase, self-made man? Have you heard that phrase before? Self-made man? Golly. Thank you. Some people have heard that phrase. I thought everybody would have heard of that phrase. That phrase was first used in 1832. I wasn't around back then, but it was first used in 1832. It was first used in the U.S. Senate. It was used by Henry Clay, and it was used to describe people whose success was a result of their own efforts with no outside influence or help. So a self-made man. But I want you to know this morning that there is no such thing as a self-made man. There is no such thing as a self-made woman. The Bible says that each and every one of us are fearfully and wonderfully made by a creator God who has given each and every one of us unique gifts and abilities that we are to use and steward for his glory. Now, we're in week two of a, of a short series that we have called The Steward. And the reason we've called it that is because we're looking at the Greek word oikonomos, which is the word from we, which we get our English word steward from. The word oikonomos comes from two Greek words. Oikos is house. Nomos means law. And so oikonomos is someone who has been given the legal privilege and right to manage the property of someone else. And oikonomos, a steward, is a property manager. Here's what the Bible teaches. We are owners of nothing, but we are to be stewards of everything. Now, last week, we looked at what the Bible teaches about how we are to steward our material wealth, the possessions, the money that God puts under our care. And as we did, we discovered three key timeless truths that I believe we can apply to our financial stewardship. The first one is this. We need to invest in the future. But when I say we need to invest in the future, I'm not talking about our retirement, though the Bible says we should do that. I'm talking about eternity. The Bible says we need to invest in eternity. Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth. Instead, store up treasures in heaven. But the question is, how do we store up treasures in heaven. The way we do that is we invest in eternal things. The Bible teaches that there are really only two things that are eternal. The Word of God is eternal. The Bible says the grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God will stand forever, and the souls of mankind 
are eternal. So God's word is eternal and people's souls are eternal. And so if we want to invest in eternity, then what we are going to do is we're going to invest in getting the Word of God, the gospel, into people's lives so that they can spend eternity with God rather than separated from God. And so we need to invest in eternity. Second, we need to be faithful with what we have. Jesus said this. He said, if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the larger things. You see, if we are not faithful when we have a little, we're probably not going to be faithful when we have a lot. You see, most of us have this idea. We, we kind of think this way. Well, I don't have much now, but when I get more, then I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to be generous with what I have. And that's not going to happen. If you're not faithful and generous when you don't have a lot, you're not going to be faithful and generous when you do have a lot. Now, the third truth that we learned last week is this. We need to put first things first. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. Here's what I've discovered. You will either use your money in service to God, or you will try to use God in your pursuit of money. Did you get that? You're going to either use your money in your service for God or you're going to try to use God in your pursuit of money. So we need to steward the financial blessings, the material wealth that God has entrusted in our care. But today, I want us to look at the second thing that the Bible says that we are to steward. And so if you have your Bibles open to 1 Peter chapter 4, I want to begin reading in verse 10. And I'm going to read first of all from the New American Standard. Listen to what it says. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now notice what Peter says here. Peter says that we are to use the gifts we have received as good stewards. This word here for steward is the same word we looked at last week. So don't miss that. You see what Peter is saying is the gifts that you have been given are not yours. They are God's but God has entrusted them to use for his glory. And so the gifts the abilities you have are not yours. They are God's. They've been entrusted to you to use for his glory and his honor. Now listen to what he goes on to say. Whoever speaks, in other words, whoever has a speaking gift, is to do so as one who is speaking the very utterances of God. Whoever serves, that is, has a serving gift, is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory, the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now listen to those verses in the New Living Translation, the one we most often read from. It says it this way, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then, everything you do, everything you do, 
will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Oh, glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Now, here's the big idea. Here's the key truth you need to get. God expects you to be a good steward of the gifts and the abilities that he has given you. Write that down. God expects you to be a good steward of the gifts and the abilities that he has given you. Now, when we unpack these two verses, we discover four truths about how we are to be good stewards. First of all, here's truth number one. God is the one who gives us our gifts and abilities. Notice how he begins in verse 10. God has given each of you a gift. Now, some of us have this idea that, that our gifts and our abilities are the result of our hard work. They're the result of our training. We've put in the man hours, and now we're reaping the rewards. We're reaping the benefits. But remember, no one is a self-made man. The Bible makes it clear that you aren't self-made. I'm not self-made. All of the natural abilities I have, all of the spiritual gifts that I have been given come from God. Have you ever heard someone say something like this? Well, they're just a natural born athlete. Have you heard someone say that about someone? Have you heard someone say, well, they're just a natural born singer. And we can use that to apply to anything and everything. I mean, in life, we can look at people oftentimes when they're very young and we can recognize that they have unique gifts and unique abilities that come to them from God. Some people have the natural ability to, to paint. They're artists, and, and they can do that. I mean, I can't even draw a good stick figure. Other people have the ability to do math and complex equations. I can add, I can subtract, I can multiply, I can divide, but don't give me calculus. I don't want to do that. Some have the ability to play a sport or to play a musical instrument or to sing. You see, those are natural abilities that God gives to people. Scott and I were talking this past week, um, Travis, and he told me that you built from scratch a pool table with, with claw legs and, and a slate top. And I'm thinking... How'd you do that? I mean, I, I, can't, I, I can't take four pieces of two by four and, and make a square. But you did that? I mean, that's crazy. Now, did he learn to do that? Well, yeah, he learned. But can I tell you, I couldn't learn to do that. I just couldn't. You see, we have natural abilities. We have natural talents that have been given to us. By God. In Exodus chapter 35, the people of God are getting ready to build the tabernacle for the glory of God. And this is what God says, beginning in verse 31. It says, the Lord has filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. God gave this man the wisdom, the ability, and the expertise to do all kind of crafts. He's a master craftsman. Expert in working with silver and gold and bronze. He's skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. And then it goes on to say this. The Lord has given them 
several people, special skills as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, scarlet, thread, fine linen cloth, weavers. They excel as craftsmen and as designers. You see, every gift, every ability that we have, hopefully has been honed by you. Hopefully it has been developed by you. But that gift or ability was given to you by a loving God with a purpose in mind. So understand, God is the one who has given you the gifts and the abilities that you have. In the same way, there are gifts and abilities you don't have. You know what I've discovered about parents? I've been a parent for a while now and I've discovered this about all parents. Parents lie. They do. They don't mean to. They do it for their kids' good, but they lie. I mean, like, have you heard a parent say, you can be anything you want to be? That's a lie. It's a lie. You can't be anything you want to be. You say, I want to play in the NBA, and you're five feet tall. You got a vertical jump like this. And you're so uncoordinated that you can't hit the backboard. I don't care how much you practice. You're not going to be in the NBA. You're just not going to do it. I mean, you say, I want to be in the NFL. I want to be a running back. I want to be a safety. I want to be a cornerback. And I'm fast. I run a six-second 40. Now, let me just say to you, six-second 40 is not fast. You're not going to make it in the NBA or the NFL if you run a six-second 40. So when we tell our kids they can do anything and everything, we're lying to them. Because you can't. There are some gifts and abilities that you just don't have. I mean, when um, I started playing golf when I was in college. Started playing golf because my dad started playing golf and said, I'm going to play golf. And I got to tell you, I was a fairly good athlete. I could smack the ball. I mean, I could easily drive it 300 yards pretty much every time. But I would drive it 300 yards to the right in the woods. And 300 yards to the left in the woods. And I would drive it into the lake and into the pond and into the water. And and you couldn't find half the balls I I hit off the tee box. Man, I could hit the ball. Occasionally it would go down the middle. And when it went down the middle, I said, I'm going to make it to the Masters one day. Can I tell you, I'm never going to play at the Masters. Unless somebody invites me to play as their guest. I mean, I'm just not going to do that. I can't do that. When, when God called me to preach, I, I, I felt like as, as I got older, man, I want to learn other languages so that I can share the gospel with people who speak other languages. And I mean, Spanish. A lot of people in the world speak Spanish. So when I was in college, I said, I'm going to learn Spanish. I'm going to learn it because, one, we got to take a foreign language. And two, I want to be able to tell Spanish people about Jesus. And so the first two semesters went great. was super because all you had to do was just write it and read it. It was wonderful. I was a B student those first two semesters. Third semester, uh, the professor came in and said, today's the last English you'll hear in this class. And I got to tell you, I panicked. Because whenever I heard Spanish, it sounded like gibberish. I mean, someone was speaking in an unknown tongue and there was no interpreter. It was It was terrible. And I dropped Spanish. I took classical Greek. You didn't have to speak it. I mean, I could do okay with that. I mean, when, when the, the Soviet Union fell, I went to Russia to preach. 
I fell in love with the Russian people, and we started doing mission work in Central Asia. And in Central Asia, you had all of these former countries that were part of the Soviet Union that were now in Kazakhstan and all of these different stans. And all the people still spoke Russian. And I said, man, I'm going to learn Russian. You know, I got those cassettes, or not cassettes, CDs, where you can listen to, where you can learn the language. And I had them in my car. I had them in the CD player in my home. I'd listen to them when I'd go to sleep at night. I learned Russian, two words. Babushka <laughs> means old woman. And priviet, that means thank you. So, I mean, in, in all my studies, I learned to say thank you, old woman. It's fluent. Fluent. I learned something. I'm not a linguist. I'm never going to be a linguist. No matter how hard I try, no matter how much work and time I put into it, I'm just not going to do it. And so I can try and try and try and never do it, or I can realize that's my gift. Now, not my gift. Now, here's the problem. Won't you listen? You see, God has gifted each and every one of us. He's the giver of all gifts and natural abilities. But what I've discovered is most of us want somebody else's gift and ability. <laughs> Have you ever discovered that? We look at what somebody else can do really good and we go, man, I want to be able to do that. I, I, I want their gift. And that would be real boring, wouldn't it? You see, God has gifted you in a way that will serve his purpose and bring you joy if you will only find it. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's masterpiece. And so God is the giver of gifts and abilities. Here's truth number two. God gives all kind of gifts. Notice what Peter says. God has given you a gift from his great variety of gifts. Now that word variety is the Greek word poikilos, which is the word we get our English word polka dot from. It literally means many colored. So what that's saying is God has a big variety of gifts. A big variety of gifts. Now, I, this is what I think about God. If God ate ice cream, he wouldn't, all the, he wouldn't eat chocolate all the time. Now, if I was God, I'd eat chocolate all the time. Chocolate's the best ice cream. You just can't, you can't compare. But God wouldn't eat chocolate all the time. God wouldn't eat vanilla all the time. If God ate ice cream, God would eat a different flavor of ice cream each and every day for all eternity. He would make up new flavors. And the reason is because God is a God of variety. God loves variety. And so when God made you, he didn't make you on an assembly line. He made you as a master craftsman carves a piece of art. He made you by hand for a unique purpose. A purpose that he had in mind before the beginning of time itself. Now when you read the New Testament, Peter lists gifts in several different places. Or Peter lists gifts here. Paul lists gifts in several different places. And there are some people that say, well, those are the gifts I don't think so. You see, I believe that God gives people the gifts and the abilities that are needed at specific times. And so what that means is, is that God can give spiritual gifts today that we don't even have listed in the Bible. 
Because the needs of our world today are different than the needs in Paul's day. In the same way. I don't know. I'm not sure. But in the same way, there could be gifts that God says we don't need these gifts anymore. We've got a need for other gifts. Here's the point. God gifts his people. And God gives the abilities to his people that are needed to accomplish his purpose for their life. Now you may say, what's the difference between a gift and ability? Let me tell you the difference. A spiritual gift is a supernatural gift given to you by the Holy Spirit the moment you were saved. Every believer was given at least one spiritual gift the moment that they were saved. The Bible teaches that. A natural ability is an ability given to you by God the moment you were born. So God is the giver of both the gifts and the abilities. The only question is, when did he give them? Did he give it to you when you were born? Or did he give it to you when you were saved? Now, some people say things like, well, I don't know what my spiritual gift is, or I don't have any natural abilities. Well, statistics say, there was a study done a number of years ago now, but a study that said that the average American has between, get this, 500 and 700 talents. Did you hear that? I didn't say it wrong. The average American has between 500 and 700 talents. There are 500 to 700 things that you can do pretty good. Now, out of those 500 to 700 things that you can do pretty good, there's got to be a handful that you can do really good, right? There's got to be. See, there are some things, some gifts, some talents, some abilities that God has given you that you are really good at. And God wants you to use those for his glory and, and his honor. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. There are different ways of serving. There are different abilities to perform service. But the Spirit's presence is shown in some way in each person for the good of all. In, in other words, what that is saying is there are different gifts. There are different abilities. There are different service. But God shows himself in all those gifts and abilities when they're used for the glory of God. But here's what you need to understand when it comes to our gifts and abilities when it comes to the church. God has called you to do certain things. And it's up to you to find out what those things are. So how do you discover your place of service using the gifts and the abilities that God has given you? Well, I think the best way is not to take a test. We can give you a test. We got a class called Finding Your Stride and we'll give you a test. But the best way to discover your spiritual gift and where you're talented is through trial and error. You just, you start doing things. And when you start doing these things, you're either going to be good or not so good at them. If you're good at them, it may be a gift. It may be a talent. If you're not so good at it, it probably isn't. There's a second thing. Does it fulfill you? Does it make you happy? If God's called you and gifted you in an area, it's going to fulfill you to do it. You know, that's the problem with us. That's the reason so many people have a hard time um, surrendering to God's will for their life. They go, man, if I surrender to God's will for my life, he may call me to do something that I hate doing. No, he's not. God's not going to do that. I mean, here's what I know. If God has made you for a purpose he has given you the abilities and the gifts to do that, then certainly he's going to give you the desire to do it as well. 
Now, you may not even know that you have that desire until you start doing it. When you start doing it, that desire is going to come through. So if God's gifted you in an area, you're going to be fruitful, you're going to have results, and you're going to be fulfilled. So God gives a variety of gifts. Here's the third thing. Gifts are given to serve others. You see, God doesn't give us gifts and abilities for our own benefit. God doesn't give us gifts and abilities to pad our pocketbook or make it so that we can live on easy street. He gives us gifts and abilities to serve others. Now, the problem with that is we like to be served more than we like to serve. When I was growing up, we had something that I don't even think there are any anymore. There were full-service gas stations. How many of you remember a full-service gas station? I mean, those things were, they were amazing. They were incredible. You'd take your car, you'd pull into the gas station, you'd pull up to the gas pump, and someone would come to your car. You wouldn't get out, come to your car. May I help you? You want regular or you want high test? You'd tell them what you wanted. They'd start pumping your gas, and, and then they'd open up your hood, and they'd check all the fluids in your car. Then they'd wash your windshield. Then they would check the air pressure in your tire. It was amazing. You would sit there, and you'd get this full service for 29 cents a gallon. Man, it was amazing. We like to be served. That's why we like to go out to eat, right? I mean, it's not that we don't know how to cook. We, we just like to be served. So we go to a restaurant, and all we have to do is look at the menu. We look at the menu, decide what we want to eat, and place our order, and then we sit back and we relax and we have fun. We fellowship with the people we're with. We eat our food or we scroll Facebook. I don't know. But we do something. We don't have to cook. We don't have to clean up. We don't have to do any of that. I mean, they even come back and say, you need a refill of your tea? You go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sweet tea, please. Yeah, I'm not from the north. Sweet tea. Yeah. And that's what they do. We love to be served. That's why some of you ladies and men like Jay Maddox go to get manicure and pedicures. <laughs> I mean, it's not that you can't do your own nails. You just like to be served. That's why you get your car washed. I mean, it's not like, I mean, that's... Not, it's not rocket science to wash a car. You just would rather someone else do it. You see, it shows that we would rather be served than to serve. And yet the Bible says that we were created by God to serve. Now, what does that mean? Because most of us, when we think about serving, we think about, okay, I serve in the preschool. I serve in the children. I serve in the student ministry. I, I serve in first impressions. I serve on the praise team. And all those are ways that we can serve, but it's certainly not the only way. And let me tell you what, it certainly shouldn't be the best way that you serve. You should serve in those ways. But let me give you what I think service is. To serve is to move from the position of having someone meet your needs to the position of meeting other people's needs. To serve is to move from the position of having someone meet your needs to the position of meeting other people's needs. It's focusing on helping others rather than helping yourselves. And that's hard to do because we love to be served. We're self-centered. There's a great example of this in the Bible in Acts chapter 9. The lady's name is Tabitha. 
She was a sower, and she made clothes, and she made clothes for women in the church, and she died. And I mean, it just broke people's hearts to the point that they sent people to get Peter and see if Peter could bring her back to life, and he did. But here's the point. Tabitha Dorcas was such a servant that when she died, she not only created a void in the church, she created a void in people's lives. And you see, you and I should be living our lives as servants in such a way that when we die, there's a void in people's lives because we've made a difference. Rashawn Ford, Travis Salisbury, they've started a ministry called Outside the Walls, right? And Outside the Walls is a ministry that ministers to sometimes people in our church, widows, senior adults, people in need, but also to people outside of our church. They'll go in and they'll do construction, they'll do yard work, they'll do anything and everything to meet a need in Jesus' name. I wish I was like Rashawn Travis. You see, the problem is, most of us are more self-centered than we want to acknowledge. It's more about us. And, and we want to use our gifts, we want to use our abilities, but we want to use them for ourselves, for our good, rather than for the good of others. God gives us gifts and abilities to serve others. That's why Peter said, serve one another. And then finally, the final truth is gifts should be used to bring glory to God. Notice how Peter finished. He said, then everything you do will bring glory to God. Everything you do. Every single thing you do. You live a life of service. And everything you do is going to bring glory to God. Everything. By the way, that's why God created us. God created us to bring glory to himself. Now, if you don't know the Lord, you're probably saying, well, that's awful self-centered. That's kind of narcissistic of God. God created us to bring glory to himself. But think about it. <laughs> Before there was God, there was nothing. I mean, God is the creator of everything. Without him, there is nothing. And so the fact of the matter is... Everything that is created by its very nature going to bring glory to God, the creator. Now, we've kind of screwed that up. We've got all this crazy teaching today that it caused us to think that we're the center of everything and not God. But, but you see, we're to live our life so that everything brings glory to God. So what about it? Is your life bringing glory to God? Is the way you're using your financial possessions, your material possessions, is it bringing glory to God? The gifts, the abilities that God has entrusted in your care, are you using those to bring glory to God? Because God wants you to. That's why he created you. And so would you bow your head, would you close your eyes for just a moment, just a moment. With your head bowed with your eyes closed, I want to ask you, and you don't answer this out loud. You just answer it to God. Am I using my gifts and my abilities to serve God?
If the answer was yes, then follow that up with how you're using your gifts and abilities to serve God. Are you being a faithful steward? If the answer is no, then why? And when are you going to start? Can I tell you, now's the time. Not next week, now's the time. No better time than right now, this moment, this minute. To make a commitment, say from here on out, the gifts, the abilities that God has given me, I'm going to use them to serve him faithfully. He's given them to me so that I can bring glory to him, and that's what I want to do. And if we do that, God will use us like we never thought possible. And I believe God will fill us with joy like we've never experienced before. And with your head still bowed, your eyes still closed, I'd be amiss if I didn't extend an invitation to anyone here who hasn't given their life to Jesus. If you're here and you've never humbled yourself before God, acknowledging that you've rebelled against his authority, his rule, you've sinned against him, and you haven't trusted Jesus' death on the cross, resurrection from the grave to save you, and you haven't surrendered your life to him, then today... I beg you, please, don't leave here without responding to God's offer of salvation. That's what you need to do this morning. You can pray this prayer to him right now. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I know it. I live life my way sorry I don't want to live that way anymore Jesus I believe you came to this earth I believe you died on the cross I believe you rose from the grave so that I could be forgiven so that I could be changed Today, I'm trusting you to save me. I'm giving my life to you as my Lord. From this moment on, I'm yours. Use me however you see fit. Thank you for saving me. Amen.